Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. You know what? We're just going to flow a little bit. Does that sound good? I just gonna. I just want to, let's just do this. I haven't done this in forever, but how many of you know this is a Pentecostal church, right? Come on, we up in that Pentecost, okay? Bring the fire, so we're just going to flow, amen? But I wanted to encourage you guys tonight, which is that God wants to begin to create an atmosphere where the supernatural happens around you in a crazy, crazy accelerated fashion. And this is what God's going to begin to do. And the way that he's going to do it is he's going to revolutionize the world in you. He's going to revolutionize the reality on the inside of you in a way that it doesn't matter how many generations have built a narrative inside of your mind of how things have always been and how things will always be. But there's going to be a prophetic mantle. There's going to be a prophetic anointing that's going to rest on you. That's going to cause you to begin to face down and challenge everything in you that denies the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the way that he's going to do this is the Lord says that he's going to give you the opportunity to have a divine showdown with the enemy. He's going to give you the opportunity because he's going to expose all of the areas where he's been hiding in your unconscious mind, in your thoughts, in the dialogue that you have with yourself. He's going to start exposing that on the inside of you. And it's not going to be comfortable. But can I give you some encouragement? is that if you will stand in your place of position and not try to reason with the devil, but to prophesy the reality of heaven against what the devil has tried to do, you're going to tap into a creative anointing of transformation. A creative anointing of transformation. Right here, my friend. Yeah, you. Were you wearing the ramen hoodie earlier? Come on now kindred spirit there right there we both we love ramen it's all there why don't you stand up for me just extend your hands to this amazing young woman and the lord says that there has been a tremendous amount of misunderstanding that has come against you ever since you were really really young because your heart loves people in a way that most people cannot handle because they haven't experienced that type of unconditional love before. And so what I saw was that you were really, really young and people misunderstood your affection and they misunderstood your heart. And so even over the last six and seven years, you've been battling against what people think about you versus who you really are on the inside of you. And can I tell you that God showed me who you are He showed me your heart. And can I tell you that it's extremely beautiful? And in fact, it's extremely precious, not only to God, but to other people. And so what I want to do is I want to pray this over you. I want to pray a breaking off of all of the misunderstanding, all of that stuff where people made snap judgments about you. And it wasn't true. And you're like, why can't you see who I really am? Why are you misinterpreting what I'm trying to do? And that can be tough because the more you try, the worse it seems to get. And that's the enemy trying to keep you in a place where you don't realize the treasure that he's placed in you, what God has put in you. And so just uh, as a church, how many of you love this amazing young woman? How many of you love the gift that she is? 
Talk about a sense of humor. I, my, my goodness, Father, I thank you. And Father, right now, we stand as a church, as a family, as those that love her, those that support her, and those that will cheer for her. Father, right now, for those inside of this room that are guilty of snap judgments because of what's on the surface, Father, we repent. If there's any of us that need to repent for how we've misjudged her, Father, we let go of that assumption. And Father, we say right now, that we call forth the greatest potential that's on the inside of her, the greatest potential that's within her. Father, the treasure that she has, Father, we decree and declare that it's coming out. And I just kept seeing this. The Lord says that you are such an influencer. And you know what? It's like, it's this crazy thing because you try to run from it, but people keep following you. And you're like, stop following me. What's going on? Do your thing. But the Lord says that you're going to be an influencer for God in a way where you're going to lead an entire generation. So, Father, we bless her now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So, really quickly, I want to give you guys an example of what it is to begin to rule and reign your internal world and to be able to combat it. And, and, and if we don't deal with it, here's the thing that happens is that if we don't allow the season to take place, what we're going to do is we're going to become victims of what the enemy has done, rather than victors that pursue destiny at all costs. And so this is what happens. How many of you know uh, about the Olympics that are going on right now? My goodness. Okay, so it's really, really crazy right now. There's a lot going on. But I want to I wanna share this story in the Bible with you, and it's the story of Saul. How many of you know about Saul in the Bible? So King Saul. Here's the crazy thing about Saul is that Saul on the surface has everything going for him. Saul is a man that is taller, heads and shoulders taller than everybody else. He, it says in the Bible that he is the most good-looking, handsome man in all of Israel. Could you imagine? He's the Brad Pitt of Israel, circa 1996, okay? Not like 2021, 1996. 1996 Brad Pitt, 1999 Johnny Depp. Like, that's what it is. That's, what it's, that's what's going on with, with Saul. He's got a lot going for him. And, and so he's getting ready. He, he's lost his father's livestock. He's looking for it. And he gets into this place where he has an encounter with Samuel, the greatest prophet within a generation. A man that has... Not a single word that comes from his mouth fall to the ground. Samuel. Now, here's the crazy thing. Not only does Saul have all of the natural gifts possible, but how many of you guys have a, like a best friend, like a ride or die best friend in, in here, okay? Now, here's the question. How many of you, there's nobody who can hype you up like your best friend can? It's like, yo, listen, I, you're, you're, you're a catch. You know, you're a 10. You're a 12 out of 10, you know? You, you have such good fashion. Like, there's people, they'll hype you up, even if you are a burning hot pile of a mess and stuff is going wrong. They're like, but your shoes look fire though, bro. They look so good, man. Oh, that girl would be lucky if you had your number. Okay, it's, it's just all of this different stuff, right, going on. And, and so, but here's the crazy thing is, could you imagine if your hype man wasn't your best friend, but it was God himself hyping you up to the greatest prophet in a generation, that's exactly what happened. Saul's on his way to go consult Samuel. 
And if we look in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 16, it says, about this time, uh, this is right. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day. Now, God is telling Samuel about Saul before Saul even comes on the scene. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. Listen, there is, imagine if God is hyping you up. He's, he's telling Samuel, Samuel, yo, you, don't, you have no idea what's getting ready to come. I have heard the cry of the children of Israel. And this man that you're going to come in contact with, he is the answer to the cry of a nation. Saul is my guy. So here's the crazy thing. We all give Saul a bad rap. We all tell, oh, you know, boo, Saul. Like in Sunday school, you know, and, you know, Saul, boo, he's horrible. David, oh, he's the best. And sometimes we think that God set Saul up for failure. But the reality is, is that Saul set himself up for failure because of what went on in the internal world of his mind. Here's, here's what happens, right? Take this to the next level. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Whew. Talk about the greatest, like, intro ever. Like, I've, I've watched some UFC intros before, you know, like Conor McGregor coming down, you know, doing a Mac walk and all that stuff. But there's no type of Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin intro that compares to God going, and in this corner, Saul. Like, could you imagine? Phew. Now, Samuel is super excited to meet Saul. Samuel says in verse 19, I am the seer that you're looking for. Samuel replied, go up to the place of worship ahead of me. First thing, the prophet over the nation gave Saul a position of honor to go before him to the house of worship. We will eat there together, and in the morning, I will tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. Samuel amps it up even more, and he says, you, Saul, are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. You're the answer. This is insane. But we get this epic response from Saul in verse 21. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Talk about anticlimactic. Here's this amazing prophetic moment. Everything is swirling around. The greatest prophet is right there. The creator of the universe is saying that you're the answer to the nation's prayers. And what happens in Saul is his default response is, I am the smallest 
and I am the most insignificant in the most insignificant family of the most insignificant tribe inside of Israel. What you see is that if you do not change the internal narrative that's on the inside of your mind, God himself can show up in front of you and you won't believe it. That's why it's so important. That's why we've been breaking all of these things inside of you this week. We've been decreeing and declaring this because if we can get you out of the narrative of the world and what the enemy has said about you, what happens is that then when God shows up to you, maybe not in the mouth of a powerful prophet, but through the whisper of your isolation in the pasture like David, that a whisper is all it takes Samuel takes Saul up, puts him in a place of honor at the feasting table. He calls the leaders of the city to sit there, and he's like, oh, you guys scoot down. Saul's the guy right here. But here's the crazy thing is that Samuel already knows that Saul has issues in his mind because in the verses earlier, he's saying, don't, don't let your mind be fretful about your livestock. Don't worry about your concerns. Samuel already sees that there's a battle raging inside of Saul's mind. And he's saying, he's doing everything he can to be like, don't worry, I'm going to tell you where they are. Focus on me. Focus on me, Saul. I'm calling you to be king. Don't worry about the donkeys right now. The, his, the destiny of a nation is at stake. Don't do And he's saying, I am the least. I am the smallest family and the smallest tribe in all of Israel. He can't hear it over the cacophony. That's why the prophetic word is so important because it is an opportunity to begin to overshadow and overwhelm that dark narrative on the inside of you so you can experience the breakthrough that's within you. And this is the crazy thing is that Samuel babysits Saul the majority of his reign. Could you imagine having a prophet as a babysitter? Trying to help you, trying to like, he's like, bro, okay, I'm gonna give you step A, B, and C. And he does the opposite. You're like, oh, the greatest prophet is now a glorified babysitter for a king that can't listen to instructions. But you see, it's because of his internal narrative. I spared the livestock because I was afraid of such and such and what they would think, the internal narrative. Here is Saul. Now I wanna contrast that really quickly to a young man named David. David is rejected by his family and is rejected by the city. The description of David is nothing impressive. And David ends up over basically a glorified Uber Eats driver, bringing lunch to his bros, doing reconnaissance for his dad to see if they're behaving. This is the crazy thing that happens, is that there is a giant that has placed the entire nation of Israel under a spirit of fear. They're paralyzed by fear. David doesn't succumb to the narrative of the atmosphere around him because there's a narrative on the inside of him that is greater than what he sees around him. So he's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? 
he starts talking so much smack, right? Anybody have a younger sibling who knows you're around so they start acting a fool? knowing that you're going to be there. He's like, oh, and another thing. His feet smell. He needs a pedicure. Pansy, you know. He's just like talking smack. And his brothers are like, yo, chill, man. It gets so out there. David is so crazy. Is that the guards at Saul's tent are like, King Saul, you got to see this guy. And they, it says right there in the scripture, they began to reenact what David was doing in the camp. How many of you know that's because David believed so much of what, he was in, what was inside of him that he didn't care if he looked crazy or looked foolish? Now, this is what's crazy is he ends up in the tent with Saul, looking at Saul. And could you imagine, I'm just going to tell you this, I'll repent for this afterwards, but I have, I have a friend who has recently started online dating. And so have you ever seen like those different dating apps where you swipe one direction if you're like, okay, I'm interested, and then the other one where you're like hard pass, no way, like serial killer vibes, so no, right? So here's the thing though, is that where we live in Florida, the, the dating game is rough, like most of them are missing teeth. Some of them may be like part of a militia. Like, it's just really, really crazy. We're just, it's not a very good game. So like what you see happening inside of this tent is basically like a lo-fi version of online dating. Because you have Saul, the most handsome man in all of Israel. He's basically the dude representing Tonga in the Olympics right now. He's just standing there. He's just oiled up. Is that Johnson & Johnson or is that coconut oil? I don't know. But he's effervescent. I know that for sure. He's glowing. So you got Saul right there. And then you got David, who the Bible says is ruddy. You are not swiping right on ruddy. You are swiping right on Tonga. It's like, it's like this whole, like, it's insane because it's like the Bible knows that David has a lot going against him. So they put like this pity compliment, but he has nice eyes. Nice eyes. So you see in the natural, things are not looking good for David. He has no reason to be as confident as he is. Bro. Oh, but you know what? How many of you just love it when there's a father in your life that will just tell you the truth about you? 1 Samuel 17, verse 31 or 32. Nope, here we go. Verse 33, we see Saul, the father-like figure to David, speaking an encouraging word to David in his time of need. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. 
I'm just saying that some of you have been in a season where father-like figures may have wanted the best for you, but maybe they looked at you and they said, you're not capable of what God has called you to do. But here's the crazy thing, because I believe that tonight, God is gonna release a mantle of a Davidic type boldness that causes you to respond just like this. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. Thy servant has slain both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. There is an anointing that God wants to release on the inside of you. There is a message where you're inside and you're saying, I have killed the lion. I have killed the bear. And just like God has done it for me before, he's going to do it again in this season. Come on, just stand up on your feet. I believe that there's a strong anointing in here to be able to impart this Davidic anointing on your life. Because here's the thing, is we see the contrast. Saul sitting there in his tent, he's, he's, he's crippled by fear. He's hearing Goliath on the outside, and he's repeating in his mind, I am the smallest of the smallest family of the smallest tribe in Israel. Uh, no one looks to me as a leader. I am insignificant. I am small. And he's trapped in a mantle of fear. And here's the crazy thing about this. Did you know that the reason why Israel is under an assignment of fear under Goliath is because Saul has abdicated his position of authority. His internal world has willingly given the nation of Israel into an enslavement of an assignment of fear. What generation are you selling to the devil so that you can maintain your earthly reality within yourself? God says that he's not releasing a Saul in this generation. He's releasing David's. Because now, all of a sudden, you see David standing in front of the most, most powerful warrior in all of Israel. And he's just finished. His brothers are saying, you're dumb. You're stupid. How dare you even think this? And in his mind, could you imagine? I have killed the lion and the bear. I have killed the lion and the bear. His internal dialogue is overwhelming that thing. And even when the greatest warrior in all of Israel's history says, you can't do it, in his mind, he's saying, I have killed the lion and and the bear and I can do the same with this uncircumcised Philistine and so the Lord says that right now for those of you that are in here God has called you to begin to be one that would break a spirit of fear off of a generation that would begin to usher in an opening for revival to begin to flow and so father I thank you right now that tonight is a divine moment tonight is a divine moment to receive the mantle of a warrior on the inside of us. Just pray in the Holy Ghost just a little bit. Come on, if this is you, if this is what you want, come up to the front right now. Just come up to the front and receive this mantle right now in the name of Jesus. 
If you're hungry for this, if you're saying, God, I'm tired of looking at myself as the smallest of the smallest family of the smallest tribe in Israel. Come on up to the front. God wants to make a David out of you. God wants to make a warrior out of you. Come on, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Come on, come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break off every assignment of intimidation and fear that has come against your people right now. Every grasshopper mentality, every idea that they are small and insignificant, we break it now in the name of Jesus. Just shake it off right now where you're here. Some of you got to shake that residue. You got to shake that heaviness off. Father, we command it to go now in Jesus' name. You're not bound by that anymore. Just out of your own mouth, say, I am not bound by fear anymore. I am not ruled by insignificance anymore. I am a warrior. I am a fighter. I am courageous. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we pray right now for that mantle of that Davidic anointing to fall upon your people, to begin to rest upon them now, in Jesus' name. Give them a vision for their future. Give them a boldness to run for it, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want to share this one thing, and then we're going to worship and thank the Lord for this, is this is what I love about David is that David's internal world begins to bleed into his external world. And there's something that happens when you have an internal reality so real on the inside of you that it can no longer be contained by the wineskin of your life, but it has to be poured out as an offering over a generation. And what David did was that in that season, he broke the very assignment of fear that another person had abdicated and run away from. You are going to pick up a mantle of breakthrough that another generation and another people group at another time put down and ran. This is amazing. Because we talked about it this week, is that you do move in the context of what, is God, what God is doing. And could it be that God is going to call you in this season to redeem a generation that was sold to the devil? Break them out of a spirit of fear and release them into a destiny. So, Father, right now, we thank you, even as we begin to worship you and thank you. Father, I thank you that there is a, an assignment on their life to begin to break fear, to begin to resurrect, and to begin to redeem a generation. And so, Father, we say, do it in us, Lord. Right now, if that's you and you're like, I want to be used by God in this way, just say, I receive it, Lord. Do it in me, God. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we stir up that anointing and we say now it's done in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.